To go back to the same theater where the incident had occurred. Yeah, if you recollect what we did last week. So, yes, we stopped it here where she has decided and she um, exclaims to Bob, yeah, why not we'll go back to the same place. So, today we're going to see what is going to happen ahead. Is she going to go to the place and actually find out who the murderer was? Or is she just imagining all this discussion and she just gets up in the morning and realizes, oh, this was just a dream and I just imagined meeting someone known as Bob and having this entire discussion. So let's see if her dreams are broken. Yeah. Or does she find a light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah. And she finds the murderer. Okay. So let's go ahead with today's episode and... Here we go. That night, the dreams came back, but worse, clearer, brighter, louder, faster, more real. Emily woke up sweating at 5.30 in the morning. Her hands were cold as ice, her legs felt heavy as if made of stone. She lay in bed, trying not to think of the murder or what she'd agreed to do. Then she thought of Bob protecting her and she felt better. He picked her up at 9 o'clock and handed her a cup of coffee and a donut. She had already made coffee and the two of them laughed. They got in his car and headed for the highway. It's a three-hour drive if you don't hit bad traffic said Bob. Three hours, thought Emily. In all these years, she had never found time. As they left the city and entered the desert, the air got hotter. At first, they passed through small towns. Once it seemed as if a grey car was following them, but when Emily turned to look, it was gone. After that, Each time she saw a grey vehicle, she swung her head and stared. No sign of the big-eared man, she was being silly. Bob turned off the highway and onto a narrow, bumpy road. The sun was beating down and the sand was yellowish. All Emily saw from the car was sand. So much sand! Then a few cactus plants and a scattering of rocks. They drove a bit more. Suddenly, she saw it. Where buildings had once stood, there were now piles of old wood crumbling and dusty and brown. Spider webs stretched across sagging doorways. Emily saw half a sign hanging over a broken window. Monk, oh! Monk and junk, the candy store. Dory's favorite place to hang out after the matinee. This empty, dirty strip had once been Oakmore Street. Bob stopped and parked the car. As Emily got out, she tripped over something and fell, skinning her knee, which began to bleed. Bob rushed over and put a napkin on the scrape. 
Ballard leaped through the paper. I'm okay, Emily said. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Yes. She looked down and saw the thing that had tripped her. An old fossilized bone. A skull white and cracked. Probably a cow or a horse? Bob kicked away. Emily's knee had stopped bleeding and as she got up, she noticed how silent it was. Bob helped her up and looked toward the top of Oakmore Street. The largest of the wood piles stood there, almost a building, four walls and a roof, but something was missing. The marquee in front, the big bright marquee that had once been full of shiny black letters and surrounded by shiny bulbs. The only light now came from the sun straight above. Twelve o'clock noon. Matinee time, said Bob and he took her hand. The door was still attached by one hinge. Bob pulled it and it creaked. Still holding Emily's hand, he drew her inside. The door closed creakily. Bob stopped and looked around the dark, grimy lobby. There were holes in the roof that let in just a little light. The floor beneath them sagged and seemed to give way under their weight. Wait! I would better check to make sure everything's safe, said Bob. Um, okay, said Emily, but her voice was shaky. Bob took her hand again and gave it a gentle squeeze. I'll just be a minute. Will you be alright? Mm-hmm, sure. He went farther into the old theater and soon the darkness swallowed him up. Emily stood there, listening to his footsteps. Then, they too disappeared. Silence. Not even the beat of her heart. Because it wasn't racing, she didn't feel frightened. Just the opposite. She felt calm, peaceful. Mm, no, not peaceful, dreamlike. She stepped forward. In front of her was a rusted metal frame and some pieces of broken glass. The old popcorn counter. She remembered the boy's face again, the big ears and bad skin. Jack Lawrenson? The way he had looked at her. She asked for popcorn and he had struggled while filling the container. His hands had been shaking and his pimply face had been sweating. What had he been so nervous about? Had he killed Tori? And if so, why? She stood there in the empty, rotting lobby. She stood there in the empty, rotting lobby, trying to remember more. But nothing came. The mural had faded, too dark to see much of the chubby angels. Suddenly, she felt alone. Bob had been away for too long. She went into the theater. It was so dark she felt as if she were falling into a black hole. She could see outlines and shadows, the same sloping floor but no screen, just a big empty space. Emily found herself remembering the movie that day, the detective chasing the killer. She reached out to take hold of a seat and felt nothing. 
There were chairs, but not rows of them, just a few broken down wrecks. The leather had worn off and the wooden frames sagged. She walked slowly toward the room where she and Tori had sat. The same two chairs, both ruined, but Tori still had some leather and a jagged rip. She came closer, felt dizzy, and lost her balance. Her arm shot out and the fingers found their place on the rib. The leather felt stiff and cracked and cold. Then something even colder touched her from behind. Hands choking her, cutting off her air. She reached back to pry them loose but they were too strong and the pressure grew stronger, forcing her down. She struggled, hearing hard breathing at her neck. Someone working hard at killing her. She tried to fight but felt herself grow weak then and even greater darkness, total black. Then screams and thunder. The hands around her neck shook. Then they loosened. Emily collapsed. She woke to see the painted ceiling in the theater. Faded chubby angels, but she could make out the details. The big room was lighter. Then a face loomed above her, big ears, bad skin. She started to scream and a big hand came down and patted her shoulder. It, it's okay, miss. Please, don't hurt me. The big hand withdrew. The eyes in the homely face were gentle like a dog's. Emily started to shake and cry. The big hand showed her something, a police badge. Detective Jack Lawrenson, homicide. The second badge she had seen in two days. But where was Bob? She called out his name. Lawrenson smiled down at her. Don't worry about him, miss. We have got him in custody. Emily sat up and saw Bob in hand. Emily sat up and saw Bob in handcuffs held by two uniformed policemen. He saw her and his eyes narrowed. It's not over! I'll get you! He screamed. Lawrenson barked an order and the policeman dragged Bob away kicking and screaming. I don't understand. He said he was... said Emily. He's a bad guy. Spent most of his life in jail. He came back to kill you said Lawrenson. But why? Two classic reasons, miss. Revenge and money. Revenge for what? He thought Albert Tamberlin, Victoria's father, ruined his father, Robert Cameron Sr. Cameron and Tamberlin were partners in the oil company, but Cameron gambled away his fortune and sold his share to Tamberlin. Then, when he lost that too, he began blaming Tamberlin. He died poor and the son grew up rough. Bob Jr. started with boyish pranks but he moved on to crime pretty fast. Did he kill Tori? No, he couldn't have. He was just a kid. Lawrence's blue eyes grew sad and he nodded. A kid? A kid killing a kid? said Emily. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he moved on to bad stuff pretty fast. 
sneaking to theaters was the least of his problems. We know he was the murderer because he bragged about it to a cellmate in prison. He killed other people too. Oh no! I'm sorry," said Lawrenson, and he reached out to touch her again, but stopped himself. He always liked knives. Even while in prison, he killed a man. We think he's been planning to kill you for years. Why? He's gotten the crazy idea that they're still all here, and as his father's descendant, he can claim this old town once you are gone. What do I have to do with it? You don't know? Asked Lawrenson. Emily shook her head. Not only were you and Tori best friends, you were cousins, right? Mm-hmm. Just distant cousins. Before that summer, I never even knew her," said Emily. Hmm. But you are still her closest living relative, Miss. Tori's father left the town to you. You own Paris Gulch. Lawrenson winked. And who knows? Maybe there is oil. Oh, this is all too much," said Emily. Lawrenson smiled again. At least you are safe and alive, and this time Cameron should be going away for life. Emily started to stand. Her knees felt weak. Here, let me help you, Miss. Call me Emily," she said. Okay, if you call me Jack. She took his arm and they walked out into the sunlight. He was still smiling, but not like a rescuing hero. More like a little boy, a shy one, a boy trying to hide his feelings but not doing a very good job of it. When she looked up at him, he blushed. Suddenly, she knew why he had been so nervous that day when she had come out at the snack counter for popcorn. That made her smile too. Oh, so Bob was the actual culprit. Wow, and Jack was the one who was actually the cop, yeah, whose role Bob was playing so far with Emily. And he had portrayed Jack to be the villain, but Jack is the one who is the cop, and Bob is the actual suspect. Okay, I definitely didn't see this coming. Yeah, this was a sudden twist, and if you actually look back and try to recollect the pieces of the story, uh, it did seem right. I mean. There were many places where you would have felt that yeah, Bob was really sweet, but you get to know the intention at the end. And even though Jack's looks were a bit, um, you know, you say that looks are deceptive. She Emily thought from her looks and the way he was being nervous that possibly there's something wrong. But the nervousness was for some other reason, and looks were definitely deceptive because he was the cop who finally helped Emily out. Yes. So yes, this was an end which I did not expect. So it was a good surprise ending, yeah. And do let me know: Did you expect this ending, or what did you expect would have been the ending? If you already guessed, okay, possibly this is what happened, or this could have happened, do let me know what it was. Yes, 
you know what to do. Send your comments at my Twitter handle at the rate Roshniyevsky or drop your comments at the email ID sishu underscore kada at the rate outlook dot com. I would like to know what were your thoughts, what imagination were you making out of the story, and if this end was a surprise for you, or possibly not, you already guessed it. Yes, so do let me know. And well, for Emily, she has found out the wardrobe. She has been saved from Bob, and probably she also found a good friend in Jack now. Yes, so all good. And yeah, I'll see you next week with the new episode. Until then, stay safe, take care, and don't forget to share with me what were you thinking while listening to the story. Yes. Okay, I'll see you next week, and bye.